Welcome to the Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. How you doing, Chris? I am. Let's see here. The sun is shining. We had a, our first thunderstorm of of, uh, of the season, so that was kind of exciting. A little bit of hail, so oh, things hail? are good. Wow. Well, well, I'm glad things are going well up in up in Montana. Yeah. Um, How are things in your world? Well, we got some pushback on our recent critique of Bargain Day on social media. I look forward to breaking it down. The militant Aunt B fans came out in droves. I mean, well, we, I'm knew a little... that, we knew that there were some connections to the, the radicalism stemming from Russia in the Aunt B world. Some of these just actually have kind of shook me up a little bit. We got one from Kerosene Cucumber Lover who says, both of you need to cool it with your hatred of Aunt B. Really? <laughs> Hashtag, if loving Aunt B is wrong, I don't want to be right. And <laughs> And then another Crystal, one. Thank you for that honest feedback. And we're all here to, this is a dialogue, not a discussion. So thanks for participating. And then another one from I Hate Clara, whatever her last name is, says, you call yourself an Andy Griffith fan. You're a fake. Your podcast is a fake. Go kill yourself. Okay. I'm just kidding. These aren't real. I just made these up just to um, just to get a reaction out uh, of you. <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, we did get some pushback. I mean, because I did note in the social media that Bargain Day is my least favorite of the black and white era. And I got some pushback saying, "There's a, how can Bargain Day be your least favorite episode? But it was all respectful. It wasn't any of it. From people with normal names on Twitter, it wasn't real crazy hashtags or people telling me to kill myself. That second tweet was I stole from Rocky too. They um that's a letter that Apollo Creed gets. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I liked it. Well done, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. The look on your face though, yeah, I, I really had you going, I think. One hundred percent. Yeah. So today we're actually going to do a, another this is an episode I had almost completely forgotten about. A deal is a deal. I thought it was fun. I got it was a fun I've episode. Got, I have maybe I just haven't seen it that much in syndication. I've seen it before. It just wasn't one that I could almost knew. I was kind of watching it, saying, "I'm wondering where this episode is actually going." So I felt like you a little bit, where I noticed that there were new writers. I believe, mm-hmm. but it's also a completely new storyline. So big kudos, right? They're they're yeah. doing a lot of refresh. Yeah, yeah. No, this was a this was a unique episode. I mean, it's you wanted to go ahead and dive in. Yes, let's do it. All right. This episode first aired on April 6, 1964. And we open with Opie carrying a box and racing Johnny Paul to knock on a potential customer's door. And Opie goes and tries to sell a jar of salve. And but the lady shuts the door in his face. I mean, we talk about Mayberry being nice and in a warm, welcoming place. They are not warm and welcoming to kids selling stuff. I mean, you go to the nicest town on earth and you get a door-to-door salesman and, and you know, things will get nasty. Yeah. Did you ever sell anything door-to-door? I mean, I sold politics. Well, I mean, I've knocked for candidates, but I've never, I mean, I haven't. The last thing I think I did selling something was like the candy bars. Uh, yeah, we had to sell, you know, band chocolate and then cookie dough for soccer. Uh, but I never had to do like, you know, I had a friend that was like slinging alarm systems after college and Hmm. i never had to do any of that i mean obviously these boys have been armed with the um worst product one of the worst products imaginable i mean i have to imagine even say the name of it they say sav sav yeah (laughs) the um i would have to imagine the 
the easiest thing to sell door to door if you're one of their actual salespeople is Girl Scout cookies. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You arm them with a product that everybody's happy to buy. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Girl Scout cookies. I think even magazines would be better. I don't know. Think about magazines. You're always running the risk of being ripped off. Yeah. Well, all the other boys show up and it turns out they're all trying to sell this stuff so they can win a pony. And they see a lady walking by and then she runs and they chase after her. I mean, it almost looks like, it, you, you know, if you flip the switch, it looks like a gang of boys chasing somebody as they're through town. <laughs> it's just funny. But it's funny the way it's done. It just was like, yeah, it just seems like she looks almost frightened as she runs from them. Yeah. yeah she's a scary, scary lady. Yeah. And so Opie shows up at the jail and Andy's already bought three jars and he says he won't buy any more. And he says he's not even susceptible to poison ivy, so it doesn't even really matter. Um, and then Opie explains it's good for others. Do you think that he had done a, like a genetic testing to figure out what his, you know, like you could do these whole tests to see and like, oh, morphine doesn't impact my pain receptors, so it doesn't work. In 1964? Um, no, I think he learned by trial and error. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, Opie explains it is good for other things like athlete's foot and prickly rash. And Andy still says says he's not interested. And he kind of has an I told you so attitude. He's almost yeah. in, impatient with Opie having taken this on. Well, where do you think Opie got the upfront capital for this? I don't think there was any upfront capital. Oh, really? I think it was like, sell this stuff and bring us the money and we'll give you a cut. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's no way that they're going to like trust a bunch of little kiddos to do it. I mean, you're giving kids a useless product to sell and you're doing this in every, probably every town in the Mount Pilot area. They can, um, they're obviously, as we learn in the episode, they're very litigious about getting their money. But I also think Opie would be litigious if given the opportunity. He might be, but let's remember at the end of the episode, he turns all of his salve, as he says, back in and he gets a buck. So how much was this stuff actually going for anyway? That's a good point. Yeah. He was probably didn't want to deal with the change. Maybe so. I wanted some salve. I'm so dry right now. You don't want that stuff. I think it's useless. And so because Bar- Barney comes in. From a false alarm from a cat in a tree, because it's there and the cat's sitting on the uh, porch, and Opie gets confused and says, um, You mean she was sitting on the porch? He goes, No, the cat. And then Opie tries to sell Barney some salve, and Barney tell, says it didn't work on his crow's feet. Which, well, didn't he also make a lot? I connected with this, or maybe I was just projecting. Where you know, I've got these big lines in the middle of my face. It's like it didn't work. <laughs> he points to, it's like it did nothing for these lines on my face. Yeah. I mean, which you kind of it's obviously not FDA approved. It's got um, I don't know, it's just basically some sort of I mean, this had been 50 years earlier, it wouldn't have even had to be sick. It wouldn't, it could have killed you. I mean, it could have been dangerous and people wouldn't have got they, the manufacturers wouldn't have been in trouble. Well, that's that's true. Well, it's also you know run out of an office mart in Mount Pilot, and they have they have child labor, so you know things are different. Things are different. Yeah, yeah. So Barney tells Opie he needs to work on his sales pitch, and he goes to try to show Opie how to play up his product. I'm not sure Barney's sales pitch would work either. 
I don't think he really, I don't, well, I don't know, actually. I kind of, I agreed with the excitement around how you want to frame something. You want to met, like Opie's coming in there speaking from his perspective, not versus what people wanted to hear. I think he got some good, like the advice that Barney gave at the front end was good. The advice like Barney's doing in execution was not good. No, I mean, he is right though. Just get in there. Just get get your foot in the door, whatever you want to call it, and keep talking. I mean, that's kind of his overarching message. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then Andy kind of cuts him off and just says, "Here's what I'd say if you were doing that to me," and um, and says, "I've, I've got a pie in the um, oven." So, and I know it's a different time, but I feel like if they were really like looking to make some money, if it really is, they got all that for a dollar. He should just hang out below a drive-through and pick up all the loose change that people drop at the local Dairy Queen. And then he could pay for the sales. There's that. But I don't think he's invested any money in this at all. Okay. I don't think there's no upfront money. Then Barney tells Andy how they were so amazing at selling flower seeds. He and Andy were when they were younger. And then Opie leaves and Barney tells Andy he still has five packs of those flower seeds. And he tries to sell them to Andy who declines. (laughs) Those did did smell nice, didn't they? How old would those flower seeds have been? They've got to be 20 years old at this point. No kidding. No kidding. So later, Opie meets up with the guys, and Trey tells him that he returned all of his salve. Wait, he got a letter telling him that he was being put on a blacklist. See, I mean, what they're doing here, this isn't, they're not basically getting these kids to sell, and then if they don't pull it off, they're, they're pulling the, this is going on your permanent record. Um, Don't you think calling them communists and banning them from working in L.A. ever again is a little bit of a step too far? I think that blacklist was probably a little different. Are we talking about a different one? We're, talk, we're not talking about the McCarthy. We're not talking about McCarthyism. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I just got confused. There's so many blacklists in the 60s. Yeah, in the 50s. Well, wait, are we talking 60s? This was filmed in 64. This was filmed in 54. Most of the Red Scare happened in the 50s. And by the early 60s, the blacklist was kind of on its way out. I could have sworn in every other episode you've you've said that like it aired in 62. It's been 50 the whole time. Do I have marbles in my ears? No. The blacklist happened in the 50s. Andy Griffith aired in the 60s. Okay, sorry. I'm tracking. I'm I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. There was this thing called the Cold War. (laughs) What was that again? Was that was that the Ice Age? Okay. All right. There. Let's let's move on. Like like Christopher, the kids don't know what a blacklist is, so they all go to Andy to ask him. But Andy's not there, and they find Barney asleep at the desk. And Barney says, oh, Barney, Opie says Barney is still alert and could wake up through anything. That is obviously not the case, but he finally wakes up. And they ask him what a blacklist is. And he explains what it is in a very legal fashion. But all they take away from him is that he can't get, is that they, is that Trey won't be able to get a job. Yeah, but of course it's Trey. We've seen Trey before, right? Trey was Opie's friend who he got, who came, who moved to the uh, area. They yeah. started hanging out, and then he got jealous of how much attention Andy gave him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Maybe Opie's behind this whole blacklist after all. I don't think so. So 
Opie and the Red Scare don't really seem to go together. What is that? That would be such a good episode. Yeah, Opie is a... Yeah. So then they give him Trey's letter. And Barney is helpless always. Goes, what are you going to do, Trey? And Barney thinks for a minute. And he says, how do you fight fire? And one of the kids goes, with a hose. With a hose. And, um, with a trench. With a back burn. Yeah. But now Barney's wanting to say that they'll fight fire with fire by sending a lawyer letter back. And Barney has them dictate a letter from him as a lawyer. This is pretty funny, but it's illegal. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. You would think Barney would be able to spout the code saying this is whatever, impersonating a lawyer. He then threatens to take these guys to court. Well, I don't know, though. Can you impersonate a lawyer? I don't think so. Well, I feel like what about... All right, here's another idea. All right, let me take this a different direction. It's illegal to impersonate a cop, okay? Is it illegal for a cop to impersonate that he's not a cop, but like not being undercover? I don't know. I can't really break down entrapment um, for you. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know where the where the fine line is. So if you're going to try to engage in some illegal activity, don't take my advice on how to get somebody to admit whether they're a cop or not. But I do think Barney... I don't think Barney can impersonate a lawyer. I don't know. I impersonate lawyers all the time. I call myself an excellent fake lawyer. How do you impersonate lawyers? It's basically just mansplaining. <laughs> Measured mansplaining. Measured mansplaining. Oh, it's as this podcast has shown, you've got a lot of wisdom um, and knowledge to share. So I'm sure people appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the kids are skeptical. And then Andy comes in and Trey hands him the letter and Andy tells him not to worry about it. He said, this is how they're just going to intimidate all the other kids to sell the salve. And Barney, they leave and Barney goes off on how they're a bunch of crooks. And Andy says they're more like foxes. And Barney decides, how do you outfox, how do you outfox a, a fox? You put a leash on it. Yeah. <laughs> and by there, he's going to go to Mount Pilot and see the businessmen directly. Andy is like, no, and he leaves. But Barney is convinced that he's got a great idea. And to make it happen, he calls the one man in town who he knows will help him get things done, Gomer Pop. Let's come up with a nickname for Gomer here. It would be like something like Gooseberry Gomer, but that doesn't work. It's it's right like um, Gestapo Gomer. Gestapo Gomer. Now we're going back to World War II and Nazism. Get it done, Gomer. Get it done, Gomer. I yeah. like that. That's more like 19 or early 2000s Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, get her done is Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the Cable Guy Gomer. Yeah. Get her done, Gomer. <laughs> so he asks him to drive. Barney asks him to, asks him to take a drive with him to Mount Pilot, and we go to commercial. Since we're in the break, I wanted to let you know this episode was produced by Pod Machine. They do great podcasts at a great rate. Go to podmachine.com to learn more and enter Loaded Goat at checkout for a 10% discount. I would also just add that we've been banging through these podcasts that we're kind of pod machines in and of ourselves. We took we do a lot of talking and watching episodes <laughs> of the show. They do all the other heavy lifting. Yeah. After the break, Gomer and Barney are outside the Miracle Salve Company in suits, and they go in to find a man sitting at a desk. And Gomer poses as Opie's father, saying the salve cured the mange on his dog. 
And then he introduces Barney as the veterinarian, UT Pendike. Quick question, though, because this this is a key strategic mistake. Do you think that they needed to say that they were Opie Taylor Sr.? This is where it all goes wrong. You will see some of the great impersonators in sitcom history. We're talking, obviously, about George Costanza and Cosmo Kramer. They never leave a paper trail back to themselves. They're Art Vandelay or H.E. Pennypacker or... Philanthropist, industrialist, bicyclist. (laughs) Or or Dr. Van Nostrand. You don't know where, (laughs) if they're going to rip you off, they don't leave you a name that you can find. So that's really where they screwed up. And I think given that Gomer just stood there with the dumbest grin and they kept um, going and their voices kept changing... I think they I think those men kind of knew they the businessmen knew they might have known something was up. I don't know. They're just so scrubby. I don't know. Let's see. I, I didn't know. believe I didn't go out of this scene thinking that get it done Gomer and uh you know blowhard Barney have like actually ruined their bit. I think that this what happened is just a natural consequence because of their key strategic mistake. They did Not make that they key. were poor actors. They did make a key strategic mistake. The other key strategic mistake is, is that they would really, that these guys wanted to put some work in trying to sell the product instead of when they could have just offloaded all of it. Yeah, that's true. So Barney says he wants to buy the salve and sell it to other veterinarians. Businessman is ecstatic and goes to get his partner. As we mentioned, Barney and Gomer's voices keep going in and out. But they ask them to get as much as they can, even if it means getting the salve back from the kids in Mayberry. So Gomer and Barney leave, and Barney says that his plan is for them to basically cut out of this deal, take the salve back from the kids. And this is what the businessman's plan is. And then they'll fall on their face trying to, the businessman will fall on their face trying to sell it to veterinarians. At face value, that's not a bad plan. The execution is just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And they, no, just, I, they, they made some mistakes. They made some mistakes. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. So back at the Taylor household, Opie comes in with a letter saying that they will take his salve back and give him a dollar for it. And in town, we watch the kids loading up, um, and giving the salve back and Gomer and Barney having a good laugh. And Opie comes in with his dollar and Andy comments on how he got out of it pretty easy. He's actually a little skeptical at this point. Well, of course he should be. I mean, he was cranky to begin with in this episode. He was a little grumpy. He was a little grumpy. And Barney Car- Barney and Gomer come in, and they're pretty proud of themselves. And Barney starts to reveal what they did, and then the phone rings, and it is Aunt B giving him an earful. Andy hangs up and runs home. They all come in. I'm not going to say anything bad about Aunt B. I think she was fully justified. I don't want to upset the militant, the proud Aunt B's, the proud Aunt B boys. <laughs> no, 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 no. But no, this is not Aunt B's fault. This is not Aunt B's fault. And they all come in and see 900 plus jars of salve, salve payable with seven days to Opie Taylor Sr. Andy is irritated, but Gomer doesn't pick up on why, and he tells Andy the whole story as we go to commercial. And in the epilogue, Barney is asking Andy to listen to him and says he has a plan to get rid of the salve. And his plan is to bring the kids back in and get them to sell it. 
Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Won't get fooled again. <laughs> you know what that you know who said that, right? Yeah. Yeah. W. Yeah. Um they um But also they, the who. Oh well they said they said I'll the second part of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sound exactly like Roger Daltrey. Thank you. I thought so too. Yeah. Kids are not having it. They all leave. Andy hands a box to Barney and one to Gomer, and they start trying to sell some salve. And you know what? I bet they did. I don't know what they did. I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of dollars. I don't know. Especially like with how much Aunt B's been spending. I don't know. You know what they should do? They should go to Aunt B, sell her, sell it to her in bulk, cut her a good deal. She'd be interested in buying it. I mean, I think the other thing is, if you, in, in, in all reality, they don't have a contract. They didn't really agree to it. They didn't sign for anything. They could just take it all back and dump it. Yeah, who's a fake lawyer now? What does Andy I, care if he's blacklisted? He's the sheriff. I think all I'm saying is, I don't think, if I if I say, hey, I'd like to buy this stuff from you, and I drop a bunch of stuff on your property, and I and I, and it's not even the right name. And I drop a bunch of stuff on your property, and you, I say that you owe me this in seven days. I don't really think it's that legally like, binding. No, you don't. And they're like, what about Opie? I'm like, he's seven. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I was like, talk to a guy named Opie Taylor Senior. There's no Opie Taylor Senior. Yeah, there's only Gertrude Junior, the boat, Andrew. Well, I guess technically Opie is Opie Taylor Sr. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think also, also this was kind of like, you know, Barney kind of made it, just made a mess. Yeah. And Gomer went along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So how many whistles would you give this? Eight. I'd give it eight, too. Yeah, this was fun. New storyline, always going to give it a plus up. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No, I, but I would, you could sell Sav to a savvy boy. I don't think so. I'd be pretty bad. Okay. I don't know. I think you know, I just feel like, I feel like my favorite salesman of all time is also George Costanza when he gets on the phone and he goes, Mr. Futterman, you want to buy a computer? Why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite salesman line. I mean, that's kind of how Opie approaches the door. It is, it is. I mean, but it, it doesn't work either. No. Well, thanks for listening. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think about it, subscribe. Next week, we'll do Fun Girls. Until then, Christopher, how do you fight fire? With a backburn. Why is your wife texting me? Mm-hmm.